This episode is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years experience in the footwear game. They test runner insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster and happier. To the uh, Inside Running Podcast of the October edition 2021, uh, joined by my uh, co-host Tom DeCanto up there, the favourite for the Melbourne Marathon coming up in December. How are you going over there at Walker Street? I like it. Keep talking it up. Yeah, I'm good. Good, thanks. Isn't Brett Robinson running? Yeah, I don't know. Hmm. Is he? I'm asking Nita. Nita's the one make, I, making the favourite call. I have no idea. So I How just can you assume... call favourite when you don't know who's in the race, Nita? No, I, I've heard big things from his coach. The, the, <laughs> the pace that I ran a 3K the other night is apparently the pace he's going to run for the marathon. So mm, yeah, mm. I'll buy you a yeah, coffee if you do that. That's for he's sure. very so, optimistic. He is very optimistic. And Julian up there at Anglesey, your backyard looks like it's blowing over. Can you tell us a bit about that? We have storms right now and... No power, so I'm hot spotting off the phone and hopefully the battery and the laptop lasts. But we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, we had that storm here in Adelaide yesterday as well. It was pretty significant, to be honest. So um, no power, though. We kept our power. So utilities yeah. here in South Australia, we pay more for them. So that's the nice. key. You well, pay more. That's because you've yeah. got the battery, right? The battery stuff. Yeah, I don't think Is it's actually you? operating. I don't think. Well, I think we do. I mean, we do out towards the uh, Wyler, I think it is. So, ah, okay. yeah, yeah. No, but right. um, now we've got a special guest for you guys today as well. So, you want to bring him on, Julian? Here he is. So today our guest is uh, Dustin Joubert, and he's a running researcher. Um, you guys might have seen him on Instagram recently. Things have went a bit viral for a period of time. Uh, he's done a PhD in exercise physiology an associate professor at Stephen F. Austin Univer- State University. And, um, and he runs an Instagram account called La- the, La- the Lab Rat Rundown. So um, I think you're on Twitter as well. Is that right? Uh, no, I don't have like an actual working account on Twitter. Okay. So why Instagram as opposed to Twitter? Oh, man. That's Being a, a researcher. <laughs> well, yeah. So that's funny. Um, I, uh, well, I had, this is my first venture into social media outside of a personal account. So Started on Instagram, started on Instagram just because there's so much shoe stuff on Instagram. And so the goal with that account was more to like relate to the people, uh, the common runner more so than, um, you know, more like scientific sharing of stuff. I know there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, academics on Twitter. I know that, but, mm. yep. um, yeah, the, the Instagram account was a little bit different goal, I think. Well, I, I guess it's fair to say like for the past couple of years, um, there's been a lot more research that we've, we've talked about it on the show before as well. The the Hood Karma studies, the Barnes and Kildare studies, looking at the um, the running economy benefits of the Nike Vaporfly back from 2016 onwards, and everyone did sort of have anecdotes as to uh, other shoes and sort of um, what their perceptions were and how much the other brands' super shoe equivalents, you know, helped performance. And you performed a study that essentially um, gave a bit of a an outcome of of different different super shoes on the market um, and their relative running economy changes and 
you know, similar to what Julian said in the last one, we've actually chatted about this before as well, is that I'd argue that, you know, that the outcomes of the study were some, they matched people's perception differently. They definitely, I felt like the shoe outcomes for the, for the study did feel like um, the economy changes I was getting when I was running as well, but you just didn't know. So can you give us a bit of a synopsis of the study, what you did and what the outcomes came to? Yeah. So, so we shared that preprint of the study um, that's under review right now currently, but we, mm. we compared, well, we got our hands on as many shoes as we could. So the goal was just to, of the top carbon plated shoes for a given brand. Um, we, we tried to obtain as many as we can, which you guys know is a challenge, um, especially mm. like to that in like a short window of time. So we had a limited budget um, in the time window that we had to like acquire the shoes. We were able to get the alpha fly, the vapor fly too, the uh, a six metaspeed sky, the new balance RC elite one, the endorphin pro one from Saucony the Brooks Hyperion Elite 2 and the Hoka Rocket X. So I think we had seven carbon plated shoes and one control shoe that was just kind of a standard racing flat. So notably missing, we, we couldn't get the Adios Pro 2 at the time. Well, it was in between the ones and the twos and it, it, mm. I, I couldn't get a hold of them. So, um, but really the goal of the project wasn't necessary to say like, this is the one best shoe and these others mm. are bad. It's really just to look like across the broad landscape of the carbon plated, you know, these advanced running shoes now have things kind of leveled up and evened out. And so we were able, I think, to do that, even if we're missing a shoe or two um, from that lineup. So yeah, we measured running economy, which is essentially the auction cost or the energy cost to work at a given speed. And we know that improvements in running economy allow you to run faster at the same physiological intensity, which is how we're seeing some of these performance benefits, right? Um, and yeah, the, the previous work was really limited to the, the vapor fly line. Um, mm. and so the, you know, seeing improvements anywhere from, you know, upper 2% to 4% plus, um, improvements in running economy in that shoe. And so we compared all the shoes I listed there and we saw that some did, some did level up, um, some offered some improvements more than the kind of traditional control shoe and some didn't mm -hmm. offer any benefit at all. So, um, and I, you know, kind of expected, um, to see that just from some, some case study testing I'd done on myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I really, I really didn't know how many of the, the shoes would have sort of um, matched up to the, the established line. So we saw that the alpha fly, which you might expect given that it's the same Zumex foam coming from Nike, mm -hmm. um, performed similarly to the Vaporfly 2. And then the A6 Metaspeed Sky was the other shoe that sort of leveled up in that two and a half to 3% economy improvement range in our study. And so those, those three were st statistically different than the rest of the shoes we looked at. The Endorphin Pro and the RC Elite One um, improved, improved economy by about one, one and a half percent on average. And that was better than the control shoe, but not quite as good mm. as those top tiered shoes. And then the, um, the Hoka Rocket X and the Hyperion Elite Two um, didn't really offer any benefit relative to the control shoe. And the control shoe was the uh, the current Asics Hyperspeed. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, we just needed a um, we just needed an EVA non carbon plated shoe to, that was similar in yep. mass to the the other shoes in the lineup. So it's hard, hard to, to find. find. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that type of shoe. It's a difficult <laughs> right, thing. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, historically the previous papers always used like an Adios as a because at the time I think the world record was two hundred two point fifty seven. I think. Um, prior to the super shoot era. And so they were using that as a baseline shoe. And I would argue probably the hyperspeed probably at this point in time is one of those few shoes you can find that probably is close to traditional, but it's not really traditional still, is it? 
Yeah, and I think, you know, in those previous studies when they were looking at like, okay, this is the new Vaporfly shoe, let's compare it to the other best marathon racing option out there that, <laughs> yeah. that made sense, right? With yep. this, with this, it was like, okay, that's not even really in consideration anymore. And so mm. we just needed a, a shoe that was similar in mass. That, that's a that's a challenge with we we opted for more of like external ecological validity to say like mm. what's the best shoe of what's out there. And some some of the previous studies have like tried to mass match the shoes. Yeah, um, but that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me to like try to mass match the Alpha Fly and the Vapor Fly because you don't have that decision on race day, right? Um, so so when we look for a control shoe, I really just wanted something that was kind of in between all of the shoes in the lineup, which which the shoes in the lineup are pretty small range in terms of, of weight. Dustin, um, how many runners did you get to test each shoe? So is, how many people were in the study testing them out that you got an average from, or was it just one? No, so we had we had twelve. Um, competitive runners the qualification criteria for the study was sub 1735 k so not you know not elite runners but competitive age groupers um the speed that we tested at was 16 kilometers per hour um which is you know corresponds to your well that's six minute mile pace you guys can do the kilometer conversion for me uh, so um yeah, so 16 kilometers per hour is probably the most tested like running economy speed with the shoes and the lit. So that's mm. that's what we went with. Some some of the previous researchers had looked at 18 kilometers per hour, but you need really fast guys to mm. do that just because for running economy testing, you need to make sure it's submaximal and like below mm. threshold because we're really quantifying energy expenditure from the aerobic component. So it needs to be easy enough. Um, so so that 1730 kind of criteria did that for us for 16 kilometer per hour testing, but, but I, I live in rural East Texas and we're a couple <laughs> hours from like any major city center. And so to find guys who were like size 10, 10 and a half, 11, who could run sub 17, 35 K, uh, it was the summertime. So, um, the university cross country kids weren't even really around. So it was a challenge. Mm -hmm. Most, most of our subjects traveled a good 180 plus miles round trip to, to come to mm -hmm. each study, each study visit. So, wow. so we, we tested, we tested them each on two occasions. So they, on each visit, they tested every shoe in a random order, and then they came back on a second visit and tested the, the shoes in the opposite order, and then we took the averages um, to kind of limit any sequence effect with that, and then that's that's the comparisons we made. What Dustin, what I found really interesting, um, and, and I think it was great that you included it, is the, um, the subject-specific data. Mm. Um, so in the paper, there's a really nice graph, um, and you can see how each individual to the 12 subjects, you can see how they uh, responded to each one of those those shoes. Um, I think more studies should do that. That was quite that was quite interesting. So if any any listeners are sort of, I think we can put a link to it possibly that that preprint of yours. But um, because obviously the alpha came out on on top, um, but there were some runners in <laughs> because because I I don't feel like I personally respond to the alpha. Um, but obviously that that kind of was the highest percentage gains on on average but there were some runners i think there was about five in your study that that were actually better in um the the vapor fly as opposed to the alpha fly yeah yeah when we look at statistical conclusions there wasn't any difference between the vapor fly yeah. alpha fly or metaspeed sky oh. and then on the individual level um those were really the top three shoes for everyone now which of those three was like the top shoe that varied um, and that, you know, that's, mm. that, that goes to individual preference still matters to some extent, right? It's not like we're disregarding personal comfort and how much you like a shoe, mm. but some of it, some of it's hard because, you know, there are runners who 
maybe didn't like the Vaporfly, but that was their best shoe economically or something, right? Mm. Um, but on the individual level, people weren't really that great at predicting what shoe they were most economical in. Um, mm. And yeah, the, the, the Vaporfly Alphafly thing is intriguing to me for some follow-up stuff potentially, just because we see some of the biggest responders in the, uh, the Alphafly. Um, but you also see some people who like really don't like that shoe, like you described and mm. maybe were poor responders. So there's more variability in the response to that specific shoe. Whereas like the Vaporfly is a much more consistent, um, shoe in terms of responses, but like, yeah, we didn't have any like 4% plus economy improvements in the Vaporfly. I don't think, but we had yeah. three or four guys do that in the, mm. the Alphafly. Yeah. So Dustin, did you take any other data? to run alongside the economy like did you take any rpe data to measure whether people found the shoe easier to move in or did you take any comfort scales at all to see if people preferred one shoe over another as well yeah so during the actual testing i tried to to avoid asking them any kind of subjective stuff but at the end of the testing um prior to giving them any of their economy data we did take some survey data mm -hmm. to try to get at this idea of like one with their shoe preference for like racing a 5k or racing a marathon um actually match up with the shoe that was most economical for them and so we saw like on the group level um there was a, a pretty good correlation between like the economy rankings for the shoes and people's preference to race a marathon they were a little bit they were a little bit more accurate in their like um shoe selection there when they thought about marathon racing as opposed to 5k racing which i think probably deals with like the shoe mass issue people just kind of gravitate towards the the lighter shoe. And we also mm. had them, we also had them rate things like how soft the shoe was, how much energy return they thought it had, some subjective things that yep. that tended to correlate a little bit. I think um, given that all the shoes have a car, had a carbon plate and among the experimental shoes, um, like their rigidity or stiffness rating didn't really correlate well with like the economy benefits. Um, but given that we think you know a lot of what's going on is the foam, um, the shoes that were rated like more springy um tended to correlate a little bit better with the economy benefits but but overall i'd still say people aren't that great at, at the individual subjective predictions but so would you think to, so obviously they've all got all those experimental experimental shoes have carbon plates so it's obviously not as simple as throwing in a carbon plate and getting these huge performance um gains or economy gains so do you think it's it's pretty much as simple as it it's really comes down to to the foam or is there what what do you think uh, are other factors involved there yeah i don't i don't know if it's as simple as that but i think that's probably the big factor that most of the research is leaning towards now right so mm. um you know there's been some reviews on just carbon plated longitudinal bending stiffness stuff in general and it's kind of equivocal to findings there um the one of the recent papers from from uh Valter Hukamer and uh Healy they they sliced up the yeah. the plate in the next percent right and saw economy wasn't really affected the foam still did most of the tricks so so mm -hmm. I don't think that means like the plates you know not essential um but probably the foams are what's driving most of these differences yeah but I mean you know the shape of the mm -hmm. plates differ the the geometry differs so it's it's probably not the only thing but it's looking like probably yeah. the big thing dustin we i once talked to uh the the vp of innovation at nike we had a lucky meeting with him and he talked about how they tested each nike shoe for like the their top athletes and um some of them decided more on feel 
and some of the science-based athletes decided on what sort of economy benefit they got. Um, is that something that your athletes in the study took away? Have they gone out and, and started purchasing the shoes that work for them? That's, that's a good question. I need to, uh, I had three guys, three of the guys ran Boston, uh, shortly after the study was done. And I think one of them, I know went and got his best shoe, uh, from the lineup, <laughs> but yeah, you know, a lot goes into that. And, and the thing with the economy stuff, you know, it's like, if you're only like half a percent better in one shoe versus another, that's probably like fairly negligible. Right. When you start getting like 1% plus, um, for, for same day testing, um, 1% plus probably start to be more, more real 2% plus definitely. And so if, if you're kind of in between or pretty close on a couple shoes, I, I definitely think, you know, personal preference, comfort, brand loyalty, those things probably are still, still meaningful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I it's, think we had, we had some stubborn ones too, that are pretty loyal to maybe some brands that, <laughs> But it's crazy we've got this um, this era of running shoes right now where people are really interested in how different the shoes can make them perform. Like we're in this real performance um, aspect of footwear innovation, even for recreational runners. So, so in saying that, going back in retrospect, what your background in running and research background, what led you to sort of take take up this research into uh, to footwear and running economy currently? Yeah, so I've, I've been a lifelong runner and I got into the field of exercise science and went down that academic pursuit to, you know, initially try to make myself faster. And um, and I, I got more serious about my own running again in the, the last couple of years. And obviously I've like kept track of the, this is a sub two hour marathon and the new shoe developments and all that research. And, um, you know, I was, I was just like everybody, every other average consumer, like going to buy a carbon plated shoe and try it out and see how it did. And I ran in the carbon X from Hoka for a, a whole marathon, my first marathon build up, and raced in that shoe and bonked terribly in my marathon, not, not no, probably, <laughs> probably more to my under training than the shoe. But, um, and you know, I, my first experience in that shoe was it, I could tell that the shoe was more rigid and stiff. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like, well, maybe it's doing what it's supposed to be doing. But before I bought the second version of it, I was like, well, I got a lab with metabolic heart. Why don't I test mm-hmm. the shoe out? And I, uh, it basically didn't improve my economy at all compared to my, my standard flat that I had. And so I was like, well, man, man, this sucks. Maybe I'm just a non-responder. Uh, but, uh, but so, so I'll, I'll buy the alpha fly and, and test it in the lab before, before taking it out on the roads and, and keeping them. But sure enough, I'm a huge responder. I'm like four and a half percent plus in the alpha fly. And, uh, that was kind of the, I did the case study deal and presented that at a little regional meeting and was like, okay, mm. I'm going to try to get my hands, like get a, get a small grant internally from the university and, and get yeah. my hands on as many shoes as possible. Because it just seemed like then it was like, man, how many, how many people are, are being fooled by this? Right. Intuitively, when you first stepped into the alpha, what did you feel? Did you, were you like, whoa, this is different. Exactly. Exactly. It's, I think when I, when I put a new shoe on now, cause I've tested a lot of stuff now. Um, that's kind of the idea with my, my lab rat rundown account is more case study mm. testing than it is. It, it's hard to put out a new mm. full blown study every week. Right. But I can case study myself pretty regularly. Yeah. Um, so when I put a new shoe on now, that's what I look for is like, is the foam squishy? Like, and, and yeah. that mm. makes sense because we know enough about like the mechanical properties from that original Vaporfly paper, like the shoes that are more compliant and compress mm. and deform more they store more, more energy. And then the good foams also return that energy. Um, a greater percentage of it. And so if the shoe feels squishy, that might be a good thing, right? Um, 
And we can mm. kind of start to think like, okay, this one feels really soft, but it doesn't feel like it bounces back much, right? Mm. Got or it. this one yep. doesn't deform at all. Um, and so, yep. so that's that's what I kind of look for when I put on a shoe now. And definitely, like when you put Zoom X on, that's that's the sensation I get, right? Can I you see. can you give us a, an idea on? Um, how we, I put up a uh, like a, a question thing on Instagram yesterday, getting getting some listeners to ask questions, Ooh. and had quite a few um, wanting to ask you about your if you have tested and your thoughts on, um, on the Adidas um, Pro Adios Pro 2 and also the New Balance RC Elite 2. And I know that from your account, you've, you've had a little play around with those. Can you give us an idea on like your personal experience with those? Yeah, so I'll limit that to my personal experience. Mm. I, I haven't done any, any like larger scale testing, but the Adios Pro 2 I did test um, and I, wasn't, I, didn't, I didn't respond well to that shoe. Um, so mm-hmm. I was my usual three, 4% self. And like, I, anytime mm-hmm. I do case study testing now, I do everything on the same day for any comparisons I'm making. And I, I use the same control shoe and I always test the alpha flight against it too, just cause I know those are mm-hmm. kind of my extremes. Um, so I was usual like three or 4% in the alpha fly, but I was only 1% or so in the mm-hmm. audience pro too. And just when I think like just personal feel that foam feels a whole lot different than and zoom out so it's so I can't, uh, you can't, you know, can't squish it as much can you yeah so i you know i can't make the conclusion that that shoe's inferior mm. to the nike shoe we haven't done that mm. study right but um from those personal kind of perceptions feelings i'm also you know i'm testing at in our study we tested at at 16 kilometers per hour most of the case study stuff i'm doing is about that same speed so um I, you know i can't speak for people who are running much much faster in that shoe obviously on the world level people are running fast in that shoe right but we didn't, mm. that's, that's the anecdote. We don't have the, the testing data on that. Yeah. And the New Balance, have you been, have, I saw you put it up on Instagram that you have it. Um, have you had a crack at it? Because one of our friends of the show, Ali, she's a New Balance sponsored athlete. And when the new one came out, I was like, immediately we're like, okay, game changer compared to the V1. I, I uh, have it in my closet. I, my teaching responsibilities got the best of me this week, so I haven't got mm. on the Met cart. Um, okay. So okay. I, I think um, uh, looking at the timeline, I think I think Monday I'll get on the Met cart with it. So all right, um, follow the page. So yeah, we'll see. I uh, if I stick with my kind of theory on the foams, uh, same foam, a little bit more of it. Ah, I don't know. I don't know if we'll okay. see much difference, okay. but. <laughs> But it'd be interesting. I, you know, I, people people have said a lot of similar to what you said is is comparing that to the V1. People have spoken mm. really high, highly of the V2, but so we'll see. Yeah, there's um, going to be. Also... Sorry, you go, Tommy. No, you go. That's good. I said there's probably going to be a small effect to the actual lever or the stack height itself as well. And the the RC Elite Two definitely has the highest stack than the V1. I always found the V1. I was actually that was the biggest thing I was surprised by in the paper was the um the the positive outcome from the V1 from New Balance. I always found that to be a shoe that didn't feel quite as economical as say the Endorphin Pro or the Metasky Meta Speed. So it's you created these in the study. We'll obviously add the add the um the post to to the uh, the show notes. But you had like these tiers. So you had the Metasky Speed on top, but then you had the Endorphin Pro and the RC Elite One in that second tier through there. So they came out quite similar. But there was variation there, wasn't there? I remember you mentioning that the Endorphin Pro and the RC Elite had slightly different outcomes in relation to not just running economy, I believe. It was, there was a small change between those two shoes and another variable. Um, I don't know if they differed on anything else. That So just when we ran the statistics, they, they differed in those top-tiered shoes and then the control and lower-tiered shoes. Um, they were similar to each other in terms of economy of benefits. Yep. Um, we, we looked at some running mechanics variables and there wasn't 
the the effect sizes are a lot smaller and some of those mechanics differences um but i don't think it was different between those two um yeah okay that was another that was another question um dustin like did you if you from some of that biomechanical stuff you ran or, or possibly just your thoughts from from seeing the runners so just just your feel your gut feel is there a reason what reasons do you think there are responders or high responders versus low responders um like things like body weight or biomechanics um running experience what, what do you think about that yeah so when we looked we looked at the top three shoes overall to kind of make some of those comparisons and really it's kind of just descriptive because to really design a study that's like powered to make statistical conclusions for those kind of things we need we need larger samples you need separate groups of people uh, most of these studies where we're looking at like economy differences it's a lot easier to find stuff um but we did see that like the top half of responders um to those top three shoes that responded more in like the three and a half percent plus range um they were they were less economical to begin with which would kind of make sense um they've mm -hmm. got more more room to gain right more margin to gain um or the kind of if they're last elasticity that's in their muscles and tendons and feet aren't doing mm -hmm. the trick right the shoe's helping them more than someone who's who's maybe already capitalizing on some of those those things mm -hmm. um but they mechanically they differed too um just on a descriptive level like observationally we see they had the the people who were bigger responders who were less economical to begin with um also tended to be the slower cadence folks um a little more vertical oscillation longer stride length right um, and so, but it's kind of, you know, are those things, the reason they're less economical to begin mm. with, or are those things, the characteristics that help them respond more in the shoe, right? You know, mm. you, I've, I've got some, some piloting stuff I'm going to do with like some cadence manipulation and see kind of there's, there's its own, own problems with that because you're going to mess, mm. mess people's mechanics up and make mm. them probably all less economical to begin with. But mm. I think, um, I, I think I'm more intrigued by that too, going back to that like Vaporfly AlphaFly comparison, because we did see some like larger distinctions there. Some of the, some of like the stronger correlations between like vertical oscillation um, increases and responsiveness to the AlphaFly um, look, look a little bit stronger than for some of the other shoes. Um, just, I, you know, I, I'm not a biomechanist. I'm a, I'm a exercise physiologist. So anytime we get like too much into the nitty gritty of mechanics, I I'm, I'm out of my lane a little bit, but it seems like if you're not really like loading up all that extra foam, then maybe you're not getting like the full benefit mm -hmm. from it. Right. So it, it does make some sense to me that like, you know, larger runners, um, you know, faster speeds, you're going to have more ground reaction force, but mm -hmm. you know, slower cadence, more oscillation, um, that makes some sense to me. Um, and so, and I, I think the the guys who were like really low responders to the alpha fly were like the, the 185 plus cadence guys at that pace and like and it's almost you can almost like see that they like resist the bounce resist riding the shoe yeah. like if y'all run in that mm. shoe you feel like if you like ride the bounce a little bit it just kind of feels right huh mm. i literally um, felt that when i was running in it that it was it was it wasn't letting me uh maintain i prefer a quicker cadence and it just didn't mm. feel like it was letting letting me do that it's probably part mm. of the reason i didn't enjoy running it as much as the vapor yeah, mm. yeah. that's dustin um I have a retail store and we've been in lockdown for a long time where we've done a lot of phone consults, that kind of thing. And we have customers interested in super shoes. And just from experience, like we see a real correlation to your study in terms of who enjoys mm -hmm. Alpha Fly versus Vaporfly and the safer 
the safer decision to go for the Vaporfly for someone who can't get in store and try them on. Um, we like the way that the way that I've described it to customers is Alpha Fly is either you really love it or you don't mm-hmm. really enjoy running in it at all. And the Vaporfly is everyone pretty much enjoys running in that mm-hmm. shoe. Um, so it's it's funny that your study came out on a similar level like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it makes a lot of sense. I mean, the Alpha Fly is just a wonkier shoe, right? Like it's it's yeah. gonna be kind of more bothersome to to some people, I think, right? The other question I had, and we get it a lot, is your in your opinion, does say a, a three and a half to four and a half five hour marathoner will they benefit from wearing a shoe like this? Yeah, so we're doing that study right now. Actually, we've um, we've got about seven people through already, and I just got women's shoes, so now we're, we're mm-hmm. adding women to that comparison. But we're testing cool. all all of the Vaporfly lit uh, previously is pretty much um, fourteen to eighteen kilometers per hour. There's one study that tested at some like relative speeds that was slower paces, but their their point of comparison differed. It was it was like compared to really really lightweight flat or their mm-hmm. own like trainer shoe. So I have, I have more trouble like um, kind of interpreting that. Um, but in terms of like similarly controlled studied as the previous ones we've talked about, um, we're testing at 10 and 12 kilometers per hour, which would be relevant to your like 330 to 415 marathon mm. runner. Um, yeah, because I think that's it, a lot of the questions I have are kind of like how people spend their money and like how, how the consumer mm. running market is like approaching things, right? Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, that one will be interesting. My from my preliminary data and kind of working hypothesis, I I think we we'll probably see a smaller magnitude of economy improvements, um, but maybe maybe still some benefits. Um, the interesting thing is is like how you translate economy to actual performance time improvements um, kind of depends on the pace too, and we know more about that already. Like if if you improve economy by four percent. Um, but you're racing at really fast speeds that doesn't necessarily translate to 4% faster running times um, because wind resistance is part of that, like the extra work to run at faster speeds. And so, so that, that might only translate to, you know, two and a half percent performance times improvements for, you know, for two thirty marathon runners and faster. There's some calculators out there um, that can help predict that, but like at slower speeds, that's more of a one-to-one ratio. So, mm. so you might get more of that, whatever percent improvement economy benefit you get, but we just don't really know the magnitude of the economy benefits you get yet at the slower speeds in those shoes. Mm. And, and um, you, just, sorry, need that one you more. Got, the, um, yep. the, have you sort of seen in your own research or like as your opinion on the possible negatives to wearing a shoe like this um, for for an athlete, uh, not in terms of sort of longer term use, but on the day, like the instability issues or anything like that. Is there something that's popped up? It's it's not something that I've studied or really tried to, to look into. I, I try to stay in my lane and that's not injury stuff and it's not mechanic mm. stuff. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Fair. Yeah. We, we all have an opinion, hypothesis and all that here in this podcast. We're all out of our lane all the time. So <laughs> um, yeah. um, you, you mentioned briefly there, your next study will be female specific. Um, can you give us a bit of an outline of what that, what that, that study is going to look like and a bit of a hypothesis of what you think the outcome may be? Yeah, so it's it's um this one we're we're testing at ten and twelve kilometers per hour, comparing, just sticking with the the established Vaporfly line, mm-hmm. um, initially, and uh, we're doing I had the men's shoes already, so we just got some crowdfunding to actually purchase the women's shoes. So we're we're looking at men and women, 
Um, I don't, I don't know if I expect big differences between men and women. Um, I think, I think I expect the magnitude of like the economy improvements to be smaller compared to some of the previous stuff we've seen at for versus mm -hmm. faster speeds. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, I think if we go on this idea of like loading the foam less, you're going to do that at slow. You're not going to do that as much at, at slower speeds, right? Mm. Load the foam up as much. And so body weight would matter too. So mass and then mechanics, mechanics can differ between men and women, obviously too. So um, I, I would say in the, the, the Barnes and Kilding Vaporfly study, they did include men and women and they saw similar improvements in economy mm. at the, they tested the women, I think in that one at like 14, 14 to 16 kilometers per hour. Um, I might just have uh, one more question before we um, we wrap up the the chat on, on this um, this study that is all the stuff you're doing, which is really interesting. But um, I, I just wanted to know. Someone also asked me about, um, or I get asked all the time about the um, durability of these shoes. And I know you've you've done a bit of you got a bit of personal data on. Um, I think it's the Alpha Fly. You, you're sort of looking into the how long those economy gains are lasting as the shoe wears. Can you give us uh, yeah a bit of a insight into that? Yeah, yeah. So back to the idea of how we spend our money on shoes, right? It's like when do I, when do I need to replace my Zoom X? Uh, so yeah, <laughs> I've I've uh, accumulated some miles in my personal pair of the Alpha Flies, and so I was able to compare them just in a case study format to a fresh pair that we had for the study. And uh, I did that at at like 200 kilometers, 125 miles or so on on my old pair, and yeah. um, and they. Sorry, office phones <laughs> ringing. The uh, the um, they perform. I, I was four percent better in economy in both, both the new and the old pair on the same day that Ooh. I tested them. So so that was nice. So so That's if you got a two hundred ten, bad news for retail, Julian. It's getting cut. I mean, obviously. Uh, so I, I mean, people have sent me like pictures of like how torn up their shoes are after like you know thirty mm. kilometers, and they're all angry. Yeah. And I'm like, well, so like my outsole wear is not destroyed, so then my foam is probably protected, right? Yeah. Um, well, so well, Tommy, you got you got nine hundred k's out of a vapor fly, didn't you? Oh, don't bring that up again. It really Tom, angers, it really angers Julian. It really <laughs> angers him. Don't bring that up. Richest folk <laughs> on the show won't buy new shoes. <laughs> so I think I think by December I'll probably have closer to closer to like 400k on that shoe. So I'll do that comparison again um, with our fresh yeah, pair. 400, so. 400 will be interesting to see. That you might see a dip after 400. Fantastic. Hey, Justin, have you got yeah. another 15? Have you got another 15 minutes available? Uh, we thought what we do on this podcast, we normally talk about our weeks of uh, what shoes we've been running in this past month or so. We thought because you're a keen runner, you might be keen to join that part as well. We just discussed our training for the last month and what shoes we've been wearing doing it. Yeah, sure. Stick around? Absolutely. All right. So, Tommy, you go ahead. You're training for the marathon. You're running over the 100 mile weeks. You give us a rundown. What shoes you've been wearing? Um. I've been uh, pretty much wearing my usual lot. The addition to that has been um, the Brooks Aurora, which I think we're all going to have a little chat about because we all got a, mm. a pair of these these shoes. Um, I've gone back to a little bit of the uh, Invincible. Just um, oh, yeah. legs, like I had about I had a week, about 10 days ago, my legs were just imploding from the mileage. Um, things caught up. <laughs> so um, I was like, I what sort need... of case are you doing? What sort of case? Uh, I got up to like 188 one week um, and I was a bit, yeah, like just, just on the edge there. It's just mm. like physically felt like in terms of um, energy levels and stuff, fine, but just the legs were getting really beaten up. So um, Nimbus, Nimbus Light 2, 
Um, it's because you've been running, you've been running in lower shoes this past couple months, and and obviously you haven't put an invincible on for a while, have you? I was doing some like easy runs in the in the Brooks Hyperion Tempo, and I think yeah, I just, <laughs> I, I maybe overdid it. It was just like a bit. I, I run all road, and yeah, yeah. Um, but like yeah, the um, the Aurora, I've, I really have been impressed with it. I was you know when that we were chatting funny. about yeah, when we were chatting yeah. about what Brooks to get. You know, I was really keen on trying this one out because I'd, I'd read some pretty interesting things about it. So this is like, so Brooks have this thing like this Blue Line Lab. So they they experiment with some different models. So this is just like a totally new model from them um, using uh, this nitrogen infused foam. Um, mm-hmm. So some, just some specs on it. But yeah, yeah, essentially it's quite unique. It's, it's obviously, it's relatively high stack. Um, got a lot of this foam. It's it's a very broad platform, so that mm. gives it some inherent stability. The interesting thing about it is this: we've chatted about is this um, <laughs> segmentation of the rear foot to the to the forefoot. So the shoe, um, you know, when, when you look at the longitudinal bending, it, it it bends in a very odd spot. So you do not normally mm. see shoes bending like that where it bends. So that's one thing. But then also because it's completely segmented there, you can, the torsional stiffness is low. So mm. some shoes you, you go to bend and it's like quite stiff. Obviously this one is, is really low bend. stiffness. It's, it, it just bends. Mm. So yeah, it's, it's pretty, pretty interesting. Like I actually find that, and I don't know if what you guys think about it, but I actually find, I think this is a thing that I like. I think I like the fact that it does that because as I, as I hit sort of, um, it, it, that aspect of the shoe kind of like rear foot to mid foot, it just feels more fluid. Like I, I feel like that, that um, potentially that, that less stiffness makes it feel a, a smoother transition. I do know like in the past, like wearing some of those, those traditional like ASICs, like the GT2000 mm. and the ASICs Pursue, which have like more of a traditional plastic shank, which is like, has like high torsional stiffness. It feels slappy. And I reckon mm. that, that shoes that have that are really stiff and you can't twist, to yep. me it, it correlates with like this this feeling of like a real slappy ride. Absolutely. Um, I didn't get that in the Aurora. It just felt it felt mm. smooth, felt stable. Like not nah, a big big fan. Like I've been really uh, enjoying um, running in that. Tom, do you, what, think do, you wanna... do you think it's the stiffness that creates the slappiness or the the, the actual trustic that they've used in a lot of their shoes uh, because there are some stiff mm. shoes that, that, that I mean, I, I felt similar about the old style ASICs, but then I've put on stiff shoes like the glide ride and um, some of the, like even the plated mm. shoes that are very stiff, so, but they don't feel slappy. I reckon that's to do with the softness of the foam. I reckon if you've got mm. um, a real soft foam, it, it kind of um, the compression, the the the, um, the non-uniform compression of a very soft foam, I reckon, takes away that feeling yeah. of stiffness. So it almost acts like like it has more torsional flexibility because the foam is so soft. And that's so where the noise goes. Yep. If you're in a firm shoe with high torsional stiffness, yeah, good luck. You're going to feel that torsional stiffness because the foam is mm. firm. Doesn't that so horrible? Right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> firm, firm shoe, stiff. Uh, no, not a With good no rock. I think if it's going to be stiff, you need a soft foam. Yeah, so I think that's that's how like all these carbon plated shoes get away with it not feeling slappy is because the foam is soft and compliant. Mm-hmm. That's my okay. yep. thought anyway. Julian, what are, what are your thoughts on the Aurora? So it's the first time I've I put on a shoe with nitrogen infused foam. How have you found it? You're not normally a man for um you know non torsional stiffness. 
Yeah, my body uh, likes a bit of stiffness, especially my plantar fascia and also my Achilles tends to like a stiffer, firmer shoe. But the, the Brooks immediately, like the foam underfoot feels good. This is, this is new for Brooks. Even mm. within their Hyperion range, I found like when I've put them on, they felt like they bottom out quite a bit. But and their traditional foams, like their Ghost, Adrenaline range, Glycerin, mm-hmm. they've got a lot of guts to them, but not a lot of that bouncy, poppy, springy mm-hmm. feel. Um, so the Aurora, to me, like before I'd even tried it, I, I had in my mind I would convert, can, compare it to the, the Nike Invincible just because we were talking about that type of foam and a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the foam does probably not it, – it doesn't feel as bouncy. I don't think any foam feels as bouncy as the Zumex. But Duncan's backed us up on that one. Um, mm. But the like, I it felt light to me. It felt like quite a low drop. Um, it was a little snug. I I, I went out for ninety seconds. I'm battling, battling a slight Achilles issue right now, and just that flexibility in the, mm. the shoe felt like I was running in a, like an older school Nike free, and and my Achilles just started to complain immediately. Um, so I turned around and, and swapped it out actually for the Adrenaline 22, a sample of that shoe that mm. it's coming out maybe early next year and, and immediately felt a lot better with a, a firm, stiff rear foot up, um, underneath my, my foot. So I'm going to be honest, Julian, that sounds terrible as a, as a swap in a shoe. <laughs> to an, look, it felt like, a, honestly felt like a, a, a brick for the first two or three minutes after having the Aurora on. I'm like, oh, this is just a, this is a savagely boring shoe, but within five minutes, I'm like, oh, gee, the body actually likes this and, and I can get this 7K run done with way less pain and way less worry. And especially as I fatigue late, I start landing a little sloppier and maybe more through the rear foot that I actually appreciate more stiffness and a firmer foam back there. So mm. I was glad I swapped and now I, I, I haven't really... I did one more run in it, and um, and I had a very sore Achilles that afternoon. Mm. So for me, that that sort of flexibility back wherever it is, um, it's not working for me and and my niggles. But adrenaline twenty two, yeah, is, is something I'm going back to. And I mean, it's a dad, it's a dad shoe, but that's what mm. I am now. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Dustin, have you had any experience with like running into the nitrogen infused midsoles at all? I know a few brands have done that um, historically. I think Sketches may have done that as well. Um, Puma, and, maybe? Puma, yep. Uh, so I'm actually not a shoe geek. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I'm pretty boring. I'm pretty boring when it comes to like my my everyday running shoe, right? So I, I've geeked out on the the performance and on the racing line. Um, mm-hmm. I did. I have I have tested the the Puma Deviate Nitro Elite. Oh, yeah. Um, in my case study testing, um, the doctors are running guys were were nice enough to send me a pair of those mm. to try out. Um, and so I'm not. Is that one of the nitrogen infused films? I'm, I'm not. I even, think it is. I'm yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, it's so hard to keep track of exactly like what the proprietary foam names are and yeah. what the base material is versus what of they course. do to it afterwards. I've I've kind of just like gone on feel of it. I, d- I did like that foam, but that's a that's mm. like a pretty petite shoe compared to how much stack is in the Alpha Fly. So yeah, I'd, be, true. I'd, I'd be interested to see how that shoe feels with with more foam. But um, no, I'm boring when it comes to everyday trainer. If something works for me, I stay in it for years. I. Uh, I, the only thing I ever really care about, I've, I've had long-term Achilles and surgical tendonitis issues and had one Haglund surgery already. And I'm trying to keep the other foot from not needing it. And, uh, 
So all I ever care about is the hill counter in a shoe. <laughs> yeah. I'm on like my fourth pair of the, the new balance 1080 V tens. I mm. think, I think, cool. I think running warehouse finally is out of the V10 though. I'm going to have to pay more <laughs> for the 11s. So, although I've heard, I've heard people tell me the 11s, they change the heel. So I'm worried. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, is, that 10 was a nice shoe. The 11 is hit or miss kind of like an alpha fly in terms of that heel counter. Some people adore mm. it, but then there's others that like my knees, I, I'm the same. I can't get it right for my, my, the, the shape of my Achilles is wrong for that heel. heel counter. I'd be careful with Haglund's and, and that. Yeah. That heel cup. Yeah. Yep. Be careful. Yep. Do you put a heel raise into most of your shoes then to manage it or you just. You, you... No, it's more, yep. it's, it's, it's less about like, cause I, I wear like basically like zero shoes. My, mm. my walk around shoes. It's more of like, just pressure. once it gets irritated yeah the pressure once it gets mm. irritated on the back it can set it off and mm. and so yeah and it's just a subtle random thing but um i don't know the way that the way the tins are at least are like bowed out and the kind of softer dimple in them has worked well for me but mm. well i reckon the brooks aurora like i was really glad brooks sent this shoe through i think we will tommy was the first person to bring it up and say can we potentially get a hold of this shoe and i've worn it for maybe 200ks already in this month i've worn it for more than any other shoe and we were doing some comparisons with uh just the nike infinity at the time as well like um tommy and and julian haven't been massive fans of the infinity i think julian's been okay with it um i i loved it um this shoe i found to be a nice change i've gone from wearing the invincible and even the hoka clifton recently as well but to have a shoe that's probably it's probably a little bit lower stack than those shoes maybe similar stack at the rear um, but it's, I find it much more responsive. It's a poppy shoe. The nitrogen foam is relatively stable. And I, I definitely find this feels more like a shoe I can run fast in. So I've done a workout at about to the tempo pace and it responded fantastically. And I've done a long run, which they sort of, I think I'm, I'm a bit over wearing an invincible where you get to the end of a, a long run of say 75 to 90 minutes and it starts to feel like it bottoms out and doesn't return much. But this shoe sort of keeps going the whole time. So I think there's a place for the nitrogen infused foams as a training shoe for sure. Um, and I reckon at slow paces, pickup runs, it's a pretty versatile sort of shoe. I think that's probably the only problem with this particular shoe. I don't know exactly where to place it. Um, I think it could be used for pretty much anything, but it is a concept shoe, I'm assuming, Julian, isn't it? Like they're, they're testing the foam out, perhaps maybe to see if the foam is going to be applicable to future models of the Brooks line. Yeah, and we're going to see it come through in their mainstream models. So that's something okay. really exciting. I mean, the I, I don't know whether I mentioned, but there's just extreme delays on, on factory production now coming out of Vietnam. Um, mm. And... We're not going to see some of these new range until mid next year when they were actually due at the start of the year. So, uh, we one of those models was the Glycerin 20, and we were really psyched for that. Um, just going to have to put it on pause for a little bit, but that was that's going to get some of this foam. And I mean, one of like anytime you you tweak a shoe like that's so mainstream, I get excited about with, with new stuff. Uh, like we saw, even Asics do it a bit different, they bring out alternates to their mainstream line like the, the nimbus light the kaono light and we've had great success with those shoes and um yep. and I, I think like when when new balance bring out the fresh foam x and uh they put in into their 1080 into their 880 like that's that's even better because it means mm. that those who are really loyal to a traditional shoe get to experience some of that fun stuff yeah the midsole of this shoe is a winner um i find i think if it goes into other brooks lines they'll do really really well with it 
just a few of the details. I'm sure you were the same, Julian. It's, it's just, I mean, it's a concept show. I'm not sure if they'll keep it going, but it's a bit narrow in the forefoot. Um, the upper's quite strong, but it just the um, the volume of the shoe in the upper is probably a bit limited, I suppose. So it feels more like a performance shoe in that setting because it is a bit less volume. Yeah, and some of the specs, yeah. like it's yeah. a six, it's a six mil offset, which yep. uh, I mean, that's a medium offset, I guess. It's not super mm. low, but it's not super high, and it, it, the men's. I think it's a size nine would be 240 grams uh so again something around that lightweight trainer area and women's 215 grams and and still the same offset as well brilliant so, it's so what else in the lightweight trainer range you're back to running about 50 okays a week now julian what else are you running in yeah yeah so i am I'm, I'm i'm just starting to get back from this knee surgery and 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 i've had some niggles creep in like osteitis pubis and that's come back. I've uh, got this Achilles thing that I'm maintain- like it's manageable. I don't really feel it when I run too much, except for when I wear that that Aurora. Uh, so I'm wearing the Adrenaline 22, and then also the Asics Glide Ride 2, which is a, nearly the perfect shoe for me right now with a lower offset, so I can run with a little bit more, um, I guess. Uh, knee load, hip load for the OP, but still underneath the center of gravity. And um, the stiffness and the rocker in that shoe really helps my Achilles. I wear the 2E, which gives me more space up front. I love to be able to put a shoe on and just forget that it's on my foot, which a lot of the shoes that I love don't come in wider widths, like um, uh, the Invincible and, and the Nimbus Light, those sorts of shoes. So the Glide Ride being a wide is brilliant for me. Um, yeah. Cool. I think we lost Nitta. Back. back. Cheers. Sorry, I fell out. Uh, that's good, Julian. So the, I found um, going back to Tassie for I've been here the past 12 days and running over the hills, my OP popped up a little bit as well. But less shoe seems to seems to be a bit more effective when managing that, I found. It can load my lower leg a touch more, which has been nice. So that's why I found the Brooks Aurora being a little bit poppy. It was good compared to the Clifton. So yeah. And Tommy, you've got a 1500 meter race coming up in preparing for your marathon. Tonight, yeah. Tonight, that uh, makes no I'm very, sense. Uh, I'm, yeah, <laughs> mate. Look at so, my um, look at my training leading into uh, my half marathon PB, and I had I had like fifteen hundreds. I had like three k time trials races. Yeah, short stuff's mm, good for me. Yeah. I think it's Dustin good. To, to give a perspective. Tom, I don't know if you know, he's run a what did you run sixty two and a half. For or 62 low um, for a half marathon? 62.13, I think it is, yeah. 62.13, but he hasn't broken four minutes for 1,500 yet, so he's running one tonight. I'm going for the sub four. I'm going for the sub four, 1,500. Not sub four mile, uh, but sub four, 1,500. I'm going to get it. I reckon, wow. I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon you'll run 3.52. No way. I got I got six yes, stuff way. as well. The guy the guy that's organizing it, he put my seed time down as three forty five and I'm like my wildest <laughs> dreams. My four hundred PB is like fifty nine seconds. Like you, you need some victories, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, I know, oh. I know. I've only got dragons. It's all right. Dragons will do. And yeah. Dustin, you've you've trialed out the dragon, haven't you? I did actually, because um I, I got one of the guys on the team, the cross country team here to lend me his and uh I tested them. We've got a Woodway treadmill, so I can, you can run in spikes on it. All right. Mm. And uh, I tested those against the Alpha Fly, just thinking, because that, that original Borns and Kilding paper was making the point mm. that the, the Vapor Fly was probably a good or better alternative than a traditional distance track spike. Um, probably like two and a half percent improvement or so. 
an economy, but uh, but that was on the old spikes. Now everybody, mm-hmm. I think, has kind of said, okay, dragonflies must have closed that gap. And and then on the on the world level, right, the twenty five millimeter stack height rule kind mm. of rules rules out the road racing shoes on the track. Mm. But uh, I'm curious here, NCA athletics over here, um, there's no stack height rules on the track, and so mm. it, it seems like um, some of the I don't know about for a you know really fast paced mile uh if that's an mm. option but certainly like 5k 10k on the track the higher stack shoe i would bet for a lot of guys would be a benefit yeah so yeah. I, I was better in the alpha fly the dragonfly did close the gap quite a bit i think i was like uh three percent economy improvement relative to the control shoe in the dragonfly mm. and like four percent in the alpha fly so it and that it's was my close. first time running i hadn't run in spikes in forever either but um yeah so i, I would imagine for a, for a lot of people faster speeds that dragonfly mm. might might edge out um for me it was still still the shoe but well, I raced a, a 3K on the track uh, on Wednesday night in the Alpha Fly. So um, one thing I was <laughs> saying in that shoot is that uh, I didn't bring anything else with. I had that. I was almost going to wear the Brooks Aurora. So, um, but I wore the Alpha Fly, and it is a tough shoe to get going at top top end paces. But I felt like I could run 72s the whole way, and it felt okay. Except for the bends, did feel like I was falling out the left shoe a little bit going around the bend. So. Um, so I'd probably say there's probably a, a threshold, but someone who's inexperienced like me probably would run as well in the alpha fly as I would in the dragonfly over those distances. But guys like Tommy who are hitting the ground 180 Ks a week consistently probably get a few more economy gains at those faster paces in the dragonfly, I reckon. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. Mm. Mm. All right. Oh, that's good. Cool. Well, that's good. Uh... Yeah. Well, thanks for joining yeah. us, Dustin. That was fantastic. Uh, you're definitely uh, a gun in this particular area. It's good to see your passion and uh, personal interest in there as well. And uh, if anyone else wants to follow him on, on Instagram as well, his page is very active at the moment. And uh, the Lab Rat uh, Rundown is the page. And a lot of his stuff is on there. We'll share it with the, um, the, the show notes for this page so people can jump on there. And yeah, so we're always interested to see how the RC Elite goes. There's a lot of questions on that, and obviously the Adios Pro too. Um, so those things, I've, I've, you, you seem to be able to take the information and make it very applicable to the general population. So that's a really good skill of yours, Dustin. I think people appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks. you've yeah, done really well Dustin. with that with that page, Dustin. Thanks for yeah. Thanks for giving us your time. Appreciate it. Enjoy the chat. Thanks, Dustin. Thanks, man. Take care. This episode is brought to you by Brooks. You can feel confident wearing Brooks knowing they're running specialists with over 100 years experience in the footwear game. They test runner insights and biomechanics with runners of every size, strength and experience to develop premium running products so you can run further, faster and happier. Doesn't matter if it don't come back. I'm not sure.